This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the English Heritage Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to your weekly podcast, Into England's Past. I'm Charles Rowe. We're here with new episodes every Thursday, so make sure you subscribe to stay up to date. Now, this week we're in Shropshire, searching out the story of a king who hid in an oak tree. Charles II will forever be linked to Boscobel House, to the people who lived here, and to the tree that saved his life. But how did a king end up in an oak tree in Shropshire, and what was the state of England at the time? Who else took refuge here? And how is English Heritage improving facilities to better tell these stories during 2021 and beyond? Well, to answer all those questions and more, I'm first meeting Boscobel site manager, Daisy Lambert. Daisy, we're standing here at the front of the property looking at its whitewashed walls and lattice-like black beams. It's a tranquil setting, but I suspect this place was quite the opposite in 1651 when the most famous episode in Boscobel's history took place. What was happening at the time? It was in turmoil, really, in the area, and the Midlands saw some of the worst of the fighting between parliamentarian supporters and royalist supporters. So on the uh, 3rd of September 1651, Charles II, who wasn't yet king at the time, fought against Oliver Cromwell and his troops. And unfortunately, they were outnumbered, and Cromwell and his troops won the battle. So Charles then fled north with his uh, supporters so that's when he then uh, sought refuge here at Boscobel. We've got some noises in the background which people might have just picked up on there I think some I I think it might be um, a crow scare in the background Uh, we are in this countryside setting. It almost sets the scene of these battles going on as well in in some funny way. We're obviously talking about the civil war period Mm. the very tumultuous period in England's history. When did Charles II arrive and why? You you talked about, obviously, he was kind of on the run. He was a wanted man at the time. Mm, He was. There was actually a £1,000 reward on his head. And um, after he fled from Worcester, he came to a house just down the road called White Ladies. And he was met there by the Pendrels, who were looking after the house here and at White Ladies for the Giffords. And the Giffords owned this property? Yes, they did. So when Charles arrived there, he was greeted by the Pendrels, who then assisted him from that point onwards. There were five Pendrel brothers who were really influential in then helping with Charles's escape. So they were sympathetic to his cause. Mm. They were royalists, mm. I presume. They wouldn't have been openly royalists because obviously their lives would have been in danger. But they then helped to safely help with the transportation of Charles from here across to France eventually. How long does Charles stay here? Charles was here for one night and two days. So he arrived on the 6th of September 1651 was brought into Boscobel, greeted by Joan Pendrell, who was looking after the house at the time. And at that point, he met a gentleman called Sir Major William Careless, who'd also fled from the Battle of Worcester. And the two men thought it'd be too dangerous to hide in the house during the day. 
and they went out and sought refuge in an oak tree in the surrounding forest. And they climbed up into the branches of an oak where they were well concealed and they stayed there during the day before later returning to the house and hiding in a priest hole in the attic. So you can see that it was actually really great camouflage for a king. Mm, and it's very difficult for visitors to realise that now because you'll go and see a very open field with the tree sort of sticking out in the middle. And that's um, the sapling that derived from the original oak. It actually got struck by lightning in 2000, so it's had a bit of a tough time. It's a fascinating symbol then that remains for the story, a strong symbol for, for the monarchy today in a way. Mm, yeah, I mean, there are so many pubs throughout the country named the Royal Oak just after the tree here at Boscobel. How else do we know about the story and is there any other evidence about Charles's refuge here? So we've got a very important book here at Boscobel written by Thomas Blount in 1660. So once Charles had been crowned, he wanted everyone to know his great adventure story. So the book was published so everyone could know about Charles's escape. And here at Boscobel, we have one of two existing copies Charles isn't the only person who was looked after here. Who else was seeking refuge in this period in history? The house was built with the intention of hiding Catholics it may need to seek refuge, having these priest holes, these secret hiding places to conceal Catholics. And the Giffords were a Catholic family. It's written in some texts that we have four or more priest holes here, but we've only actually found the one. So after a tumultuous period where Charles eventually becomes Charles II, the royalist cause is reinstated, the monarchy is kind of reinstated. Mm. What then happens after the Civil War period to this property? Well, it became a tourist attraction almost immediately after Charles was crowned. He wanted the story to be well known and the Blount book was published. So that really drew people to visit. And later in the history of the house, it was bought by a family called the Evans family, who were industrialists from Derby. And what period is that in history? So in 1812, the Evans family bought the house. And they love the link there is here with the Charles story. So they really romanticised on that with lots of imagery of Charles hiding in the tree. There's a beautiful engraving above the fireplace and it shows three scenes of Charles arriving at Boscobel, hiding in the oak and then departing. And you can only view it from a certain angle when the light hits it in the right way. There would have been a large portrait of Charles above the fireplace, so they were constantly trying to show this link with the Charles escape and really keep that story alive. This Evans family, were they involved in the farm that sprung up around the house as well? Yes, so the farm is a later Victorian farm. As you can see, the dairy wing was added and you've got a smithy round to the left here, an area where there would have been some chickens, You've got the barn where we would have had cattle, horses, and the coach would have been stored in the barn as well. And also in the cafe, you'll see it's as an old stables where the horses would have been kept as well. And this is all the sort of red bricked buildings surrounding the sort of white and black central mm. house. There's actually more farm buildings in a way than there is the house in terms of I guess square footage. Yes, it is quite a large area around the house. We've got a lovely orchard as well and it was a very productive dairy farm. So we've briefly covered the history of Boscobel. How else will English heritage be telling this story about Charles, the house and everything into the future? Well, I'll introduce you to Tracy now, the project manager who will tell you a bit more.
Uh, my name's Tracy Simmons and I'm a National Project Manager. Where are we standing now? So we're standing in the oldest part of the house, built in 1595. This would have been a woodsman's house before the rest of the house was built on afterwards. We're standing here in the lobby area and we're standing next to the holler print, which shows you where Boscobel House sat within the oak woodland. It was sat in quite a dense forest which is no longer here, but it gives you a good visionary look of how the place you would have looked. And this is a picture that we're just standing next to. Yes, yes. So in the top part of the picture, you can see Boscobel House surrounded by the heavy, dense oak woodland. And to the bottom left-hand corner, you can see White Ladies Priory, which is down the road. So Charles stayed at White Ladies Priory and then moved here to Boscobel House. As we covered with Daisy, it's a really densely camouflaged refuge for a king on the run. Yes. But what else is happening here in terms of the modern day story? What's happening within the house? So within the house we're having a whole new interpretation scheme put in. Visitors will be able to collect an interactive candle on entering the house and then be able to explore the house for themselves, revealing the house's secrets and the stories of the house and, and of Charles as they go from room to room. So this candle that they will be carrying will interact with interactions in in the room themselves. So they may go into one room and be able to reveal a a secret or a a short film or a sound that helps piece together Charles's time here and reveal a little bit more of the story as you go up and up into the house until you come to the priest hole at the top. So you're illuminating the story and demystifying the story of Charles through this sort of symbol of the candle yeah yeah and it's sort of playing on the hide and seek theme so our visitors are seeking out the hidden stories within the house and of course charles was never found he got away so yeah he was so it's a long hide and seek yes yeah well on that note on the hide and seek theme can you take me into the next room where you're planning some work yes i'm going to take you up above the dairy just heading up some stairs here This is currently three rooms above the dairy. Right. Um, and we're planning to have new interpretation in here. So there'll be a film about Charles and Charles's time here. There'll be a game of chance where you can try your luck at trying to outwit the parliamentarians. Yeah. So that when visitors come, this will be decked out with lots of different yeah. boards and stories. You sort of and games, stories, interpretation panels, and learn more about the stories of the house and the Civil War story. So I'm getting a picture of what will be on show here for visitors, but is there another room that you can show me where you're making improvements? Yeah, let me take you downstairs. We've got a dairy downstairs that I can show you. I really have to dip my head. (laughs) Got some low beams in here. Yeah, so there's a series of rooms which takes you through um, the process of making cheese and butter. We've got a lot of objects on display that look very dairy-like, jugs, buckets and a deep recess for settling the cream by the looks of things. Anything else that people will see? Yeah, so when our visitors come here, there will be people in costume describing what it was like to live and work here and interacting with our visitors. So you might hear some local accents and people really in character talking as though they were from that period. Yes, yeah, here in the farm and in the house, we'll have some yeomen in costumes in in the house as well. So having seen the dairy, which is the second part of some of the major changes that you're making here. I gather that there's perhaps somewhere else that we can see. Yeah, let me take you back in time. We'll go back into the house and we can go up to the top floor and see what we can discover. We've gone up several flights of steps. So as listeners can probably tell, we've 
got wooden floorboards underneath our feet, Tracy. We have arrived at the top of the stairs here. Where are we right now? The highest so, part of the yeah, house? Yeah, we're in the highest part of the house. It's the attic. It's a sort of series of two rooms. We believe this is probably where Charles spent a lot of his time when he was here at Boscobel. And if you look in the floor, that you'll see we've got a glass panel. And beneath the glass panel, if you peer down, you, it reveals a secret priest hole. Yeah, we just walked over that. And you've uh, removed the glass pane. That's really narrow, though. That can't be more than about maybe 12 to 14 inches lengthways. And it's really tight. Yeah, there's a bit of a squeeze to get down in there. I mean, Charles was six foot two, and that space is not as tall as that. You'd have spent your time down in there crouched. You'd be crouching um, in a wicketkeeper position. Yeah, as quiet as you can, because any creak of any floorboard would have given you away. So the boards would have been laid back on and they probably would have had rug or a piece of furniture over the top to disguise the fact that there was something beneath. Right. Can visitors go in there? No, visitors can't go in there. They can look in there. But would you like to go in there? Well, I'm obviously carrying my recorder, my microphone, and uh, I'm still wearing my coat. So I don't know whether I would be able to get in there or not. But, I mean, we can try and have a go. But what happens if I can't get out? (laughs) Well, <laughs> could spend the night in Boscobel. I'll be King Charles III, won't I? Um, effectively. Okay, I'm going to put my piece of paper down. Right, I'm just going to try and get my legs down through this priest hole. Wow. Can you just lower yourself down? Just lower myself down, yeah. do I? It's all right, I can bring you lunch. Oh, wow. Okay, my feet are touching the bottom. And it's almost like, you know when you're at a swimming pool and your feet are touching the bottom and you've got the water up to sort of your chest. That's the kind of position that I'm in at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) It's a very tight squeeze, I must admit. And of course now, with my hands resting on the uh, wooden floorboards, and now I almost have to push myself up in a sort of gymnast kind of way. Try not to lose my trousers. I think I've got my belt caught on the back of the uh, lip. Okay. One of those moments from history that people would rather forget. So that's why we don't get visitors go down there. I can imagine. But you imagine, like, Charles would have had lots of robes and things on. But then they would have spent several days in there, so you'd have eaten in there, you'd have gone to the toilet in there, in that confined space, without making a sound, because you could be discovered at any moment. So when Charles was in here, were there regular searches taking place of the property? We know that soldiers came to the vicinity of the house. We don't believe they actually came into the house looking for Charles. He went out to the oak tree when they came very close and hid out there. And the soldiers then were looking for him in the surrounding area. Well, that was um, a really interesting experience. I've got one-to-one with history there, definitely. You stood in Charles's footsteps there. I literally did. (laughs) Yes. I was experiencing history firsthand. History where it happens. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Speaking of the history that is developing here and your future plans for changes to enhance the visitor experience, is there anything else that you'd like to show me that you're working on? Yeah, we've got lots going outside with our sort of gardens and and around the farmyards. Let me take you outside and we can show you. So the birds are tweeting, we've come outside. Tracy, where are we standing now? 
So we're back down in the Victorian farm part of the site where we're doing some work to interpret the farm and tell the Victorian farm story. And we're actually close to the orchard which sits on the east side of the site, a full apple and pear orchard. And we'll be harvesting those apples for the autumn and we have an apple pressed stone on site which will be in one of the barns so visitors will be able to see juice being freshly pressed. So you've got milk, juice, all kinds of things going on here. And obviously the story of Charles in that priest hole as well. How long has English Heritage been planning all these changes that we've been talking about? Well, Bosco Bell's been on our capital investment plan for a few years now. We've got a really exciting story to tell here. The Civil War story we can tell really well here. It's history where it happened. And with the Victorian farm offer as well, it's a really good sort of family offer. There'll be lots of things here for visitors to see and do and get involved in. Tracy, why has English Heritage made all these changes? We've got so many exciting stories to tell here at Bosco Bell, which will appeal to across the ages to our visitors. There's lots of layers of history, as yep. we've been discovering. Yes, that's right. So we've got the Civil War story, but we've also got this Victorian farm story to tell as well. How do you think visitors will benefit from all these changes and the amount of money that's been spent here? Well, this, the house has a really rich history story to tell, so we'll be able to explain that to visitors in a really interesting and engaging way for all ages of visitors to be able to spend a good day out here at Boscobel. So Tracy, is this everything that's going on at the house in terms of the changes you're making outside it or is there someone else that I need to talk to to find out more? No, we're doing much more. You need to go and find Andrew. He'll be out in the garden. So if you take this footpath around here and follow the green lane down to the gardens and he'll be able to talk to you. Okay, so I'm continuing the hide-and-seek theme then, I guess. Indeed, yes, yeah. Come this way. Well, I haven't found a future king, but I have found Andrew Degg, who's the garden supervisor at Boscobel House. Can you describe where we're standing, Andrew? Yeah, we're in the um, middle of the formal gardens in the parterres, which are the flower beds, um, which we're recreating here at Boscobel House. And behind us is the house? Yes, behind the house, the original front entrance. As I said, you can see the, the lovely white and black um, render on the house, which goes into the formal beds. So we've got the house behind us, we're in the centre of this beds area, centre of a, of a load of grids. Uh, how many beds have we got in total? Yes, we've got 14 um, beds. Um, some of them have got the small box hedging, which was quite prevalent at the period that Boscobel House was. What's box hedging exactly? It looks like very small hedges of about maybe six to eight inches tall. Yes, it was very fashionable within the era and there's planting in dispersed in between. At the moment we've got some primulas and some tulips just about coming up. It was very common within that area of um, garden history. It sounds as though you're recreating something that is very much of the period and is authentic. Very much so. As I said, um, we've been able to look at um, historical sources and etchings from the area of actually Boscobel House and the gardens. And there's actually lots of pictures of the gardens. and They haven't changed that much over the years as far as the actual um, landscape. We're really trying to bring that 17th century garden here back to Boscobel for when Charles would have been here, the kind of plants, the kind of smells and the kind of feeling he would have got from being here at Boscobel. What kind of plants would you have here? What kind of flowers? tulips and we're going to be having some specimen and peonies and artemisias on the long wall we've got here in the garden as well we're going to be having um, some 
espalier fruit as well which they would have had you know some apples and pears what's really interesting with this 17th century kind of garden we're going to do is what actually plants and species they actually had and i think hopefully the visitors can come and go oh that's in my garden now and that's dating back from all the way back in the 17th century and that's what we're really trying to do so people have that real glimpse about what it would have been like horticulturally within that period where did you get all that information from well, the great thing with the house and just um, Charles himself, there were so much, many anecdotal records of the time and the etchings. The great thing we've got is we've actually got um, a plant catalogue from the era, only just down the road and over in Stafford. And like, these are the plants which we can say, look, the family who were here at the time, they would have seen this catalogue. They would have seen the plant varieties which you can have in the garden, which, of course, hopefully gives us that absolute historical accuracy in what we're trying to do. So this is the sights, the sounds, the smells, absolutely, the tastes. Exactly. We want it just to be like you've just walked in like Charles has and this is what a garden you know, might, may have been like. So once he's left his priest hole and come out for a bit of a stroll, stretch his legs because he would have been crouched in that priest hole, he would have seen all these things that visitors will see when they arrive. Absolutely. And just put yourself in Charles's one. He's been there cramped in the priest hole and coming out into which, as you can see now, is a lovely open big space with the, with the flower beds and everything. And this is where the mound, which we've got in the garden which is again quite unique to the period this is and behind me over yeah, my right shoulder as i turn to the there. right i see it's just a it's just a little mound of grass and so with a with a nice arbor on top now historically in this arbor charles after walking around the garden sat up there and read poetry whilst obviously he was frightened for his life so the garden actually takes a really if you could imagine for his point of view the garden takes a really um, important step about you know being out in the open again after being such enclosed in the priest holes and up the tree Absolutely. Can we walk up the steps up the mound and to the arbour? Yeah, let's go. So we're standing now on the top of this mound, which I suppose is about eight feet off the ground from where we were. Yes, you can. And it's almost in a pyramid shape. Yeah, you get a lovely view back of the garden into the wider landscape from up here. You can really see the layout of the garden as well, which Charles would have seen. And what we can also see is that oak tree which was the sapling derived from the original one where he would have hid. This is what is just so unique about Boscobel as a site. You know, the Royal Oak, I think everyone's heard, obviously, the references of the Royal Oak all the way through the country. But this is the descendant, this is the location of where the Royal Oak was. Andrew, as we cast our eyes towards the oak tree, do you have any particular plans for this vast field, which is peppered with just a couple of trees? What's really exciting, what we're trying to bring back, is we're actually going to be planting over 35 um, oak trees within the field. Because as you said, at the moment, you've got the royal oak and a couple of other smaller trees. But we're trying to get it back to that feel about what it was like. A lot of visitors come and they say, well, why didn't they find him? Because there's only one tree in the field. <laughs> so we're really trying to bring that story of what it would have been like. Because it was, it was an oak woodland and it was a lot, a lot denser, obviously, in the period. And we're just trying to get that feel back. And from this elevated position, is there anything else that is going to be changing? Well, the great thing that we'll do when we put the trees into the field, people will be able to use like the family trail to go around the wider site. And it'd be really nice. It'd be a great area for picnics and everything within that woodland. I think it's quite a nice thing as well that it's helping the biodiversity, helping put more oxygen into the air and attract more wildlife squirrels it's been so fantastic with this project already i've planted a 45 tree um, orchard and it's got heritage apple and pear varieties some fantastic different old names and everything, everyone's individual and again on a, on a relatively small scale site to be able to have an oak woodland to be able to have a heritage orchard and what we're doing in the garden it's really transporting the outside aspects of the place 
Boscobel House, Andrew, was also a farm. Are there any plans in place to bring this particular period of the house's history to life when it reopens? Very much so. Charles's aspect of the history of Boscobel is very important, but the, the majority after was actually a working farm. And what we're trying to do is have that little touch of that kind of farming. We're going to be having some pigs and some sheep, chickens and ducks and it's really nice with flavour about what the place would have been like because you walk around and it's really pretty but we want it alive so the oink oink quack quack bar bar etc etc exactly this is what you know this is what we're really trying to get it and the people will be able to go on to the trail and be able to see the orchard and look at the history and then the animals and so i can't wait for the animals to come i'm really really looking forward to it if we cast our eyes over the hedge, Andrew, and look towards that field behind the hedge from this mound, it looks like there's a path snaking around and there's branches in a sort of tunnel shape over the gravel. What's that going to be? Yes, well, this is our willow tunnel that we've been um, building over the winter. So it's 28 metres long and it's really, really going to be great for the kids that can run all the way in. And it's a living structure as well, so it would be completely green when visitors come to see it. It's a really, really nice feature and quite a unique one as well to Boscobel. So that's playing on this hide-and-seek theme again, in a way. So that's on one side. If we cast our eyes to the opposite side of the site, looking at the house and then to the left, I believe there's also something that's going to be behind the wall from the gate where we walked in. Yes, that, we're going to have a children's playground there. So after they've um, had enough of the willow tunnel, they can go on to the new playground which is being built. And the more important thing for the adults as well is that's where the tea room's going to be located. So it's a great opportunity for somebody to have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee and a piece of cake when they're watching the kids play. So we've arrived back in the central courtyard. We've got the house to our right. And it pretty much sounds that having done this journey that... Boscobel House and the Royal Oak will have a real variety of things to see and do when it reopens. Are you all kind of looking forward to getting back to the main job of bringing its story back to life, which I guess you could say has been hidden away for these past few months? I'll start with you, Daisy, first. Yes, absolutely. We're absolutely so excited for visitors to come and experience Boscobel in this new way. For so long, we've felt like there's so much more potential here. And now, finally, we're having this investment where we can make all these fantastic changes, which will really enhance the visitor experience. Daisy, a lot of work has gone into making and bringing history to life here. How is that going to continue into the future? So um, we've got some really exciting volunteer roles this year now where volunteers are encouraged to dress in either 17th century or Victorian garb and we'll be able to interact with visitors bringing to life those periods in history. So if anyone out there is really interested in history or engaging with the public, it's a fantastic opportunity you'll be able to get involved in. Also, of course, Andrew will need help with the garden and the animals now that the site is expanding. So there are also some really exciting volunteer opportunities there as well. Tracy rejoins us as well. What are the other things that are happening in this courtyard area that people would be interested to see and do? Yeah, well, to our north barn, we've got some a series of large barns that would have housed cattle and horses. So there's new interpretation going on in there to try and explain that story. And that's all part of the Victorian farmyard story. You'll be quite keen, I suppose, to hand over all the work that's been done here it's been a long time coming really yeah so we've been working on it as a project team for the past 18 months working on the feasibility taking the 
project through planning and gaining scheduled monument consent and bringing all the right contractors on board but it will be great to hand it over and let people explore the stories that we have here to tell at Bosco Bell. Speaking of exploring, Andrew, there's plenty outside in the gardens for children and families to explore. Is anything perhaps on your wish list before you hand over and move on to your next project? I just can't wait for everybody to be here and to be able to see the gardens and to be able to hide in the Willow Tunnel and to be in the playground and just the place being alive, the animals, it's going to be fantastic. All the sights and the smells, it's going to be really, really fun. I just can't wait for everyone to come and come and say hello to us. Have you had a play in the Willow Tunnel yourself? Of course, and constantly. <laughs> People will be able to find me every day in there. <laughs> every lunch break. <laughs> definitely, definitely. If it's not there, I'll be in with the pigs or the sheep. You've been listening to the English Heritage Podcast. Next week, we'll uncover the story of Eleanor de Montfort, who, for a short time in the 1200s, was the wife of England's de facto leader, Simon de Montfort. The fact that Eleanor is sister to the king is really important in giving Simon his power, but then that's also what then allows him to capture and make war against the king. And it's really interesting to think about and to put yourself in that situation. Thanks for listening. See you next time.